0: Turn in your Bible and I read again this morning for our message from the text of our consideration in these days, (coughs) Judges chapter 12. Skipping over verse 5, we'll read verse 1 through 4, and then we read, The latter part of verse 6. And the men of Ephraim. Gathered themselves together. And went northward. And said unto Jephthah. Wherefore passest thou over. To fight against the children of Ammon. And didst not call us to go with thee. We will burn thine house. Upon thee with fire. Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, ye delivered me not out of their hands. And when I saw that ye delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are ye come up unto me this day, fight against me Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim and the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said "You Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites and the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites and it was so That when those Ephraimites which were escaped said let me go over. That the men of the Gilead said unto them art thou an Ephraimite. If he said nay. Then the test was put to them. And at the end of verse 6 we find. They took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan. There fell at that time of the Ephraimites forty and two thousand. If you will, please stand with me again and turn with me in your hymn book to number 724. Alas, what hourly dangers rise. What snares beset my way? All eyes, what hourly dangers ride? What snares beset my way? To. soon my strength will fail. Title of the message today Degenerates, a Disciple, and a Deliverer. Three views. The text this morning Degenerates, a Disciple, and a Deliverer. It was just on last week. That we turned to this 12th chapter in the record of Israel's judges, and we first raised the curtain, as it were, on this last scene in the astounding biography of Jephthah. We saw in the scenes prior, first The man as a national outcast. Then we saw him living a life of a highwayman. And then as a national ruler. Over the nation that had cast him out. We saw him as a national ruler. A victim. And then we saw him. As a mourner, a great mourner. And now in this chapter, finally, the final scenes of his life, we see him as a soldier again, wronged again, and victor again. We saw in just that first verse on last week, A whole battery of lessons. Lessons suited to our own souls and to the souls of saints in every age. Now, here this morning, we turn again and open again the curtain on Jephthah's final battle. This time, it is not a battle with wicked pagan Ammonites, but with wicked carnal brethren of his own tribe. The command, of course, of the New Testament for us is all too clear. Galatians 5 and verse 25 If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. The Scripture is all too clear. But here in our text is the final scene In the life of our ruler. Jephthah. And he has been assaulted. By those who. Have not and will not. Hear that admonition. Such a command. As that which we have read. In Galatians 5. Is needful. Even for us. Because this sin. This heinous. Cancer. Of desire for vain glory is as ancient as mankind itself. Did we not see it first in Genesis chapter 4? Verse 3, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also He also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And you know the remainder of the story. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fall? fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Why? He desired He desired to share the glory that his brother had at the hands of the Lord. Longing for vain glory. Oh yes, and then again later. Is it not also clearly seen even in those early records? Later in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37 and verse 19. The brothers of Joseph, they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer coming. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we'll say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. What's ailing these boys? What's ailing these boys? Oh, it's the desire for the attention that their father placed on Joseph. It's their own desire, their wicked desire for the vain vain glory. You know the rest of the story. They did slay. They, they did put him away. They thought they'd cast him off into slavery forever and into oblivion. If they could, because of their desire for their own glory. To to diminish His in order to exalt their own. Oh, what treachery is stored up in this sin. Which treachery, which knows no bounds. Treachery, as we've seen in our text this morning, that covers nothing and will settle at nothing before spilling the blood of brothers. We saw it in Genesis, the very beginning and later in Joseph and now in the text this morning. This this sin, this is a sin that will stop at nothing until it sheds the blood of its brothers. Well, did the blessed tanker from Bedford identify this? When finding formalist and hypocrisy climbing over the wall, the beloved pilgrim asked them, Gentlemen, whence came you and whither do you go? To which they boldly replied, We were born in the land of Angles. And are going for praise to Mount Zion. (laughs) Oh, how beautifully the tinker wrapped it all in those simple words. We're born in the land of vainglory, he said, and we're going for praise to Mount Zion. That is the disease that has infected this tribe of Ephraim. Oh, but to these, that is to formalist and vainglory, the law of the maker of the land meant nothing. Only their own personal glory was consulted. Thus it is on open display in our text this morning. Why have you gone? and destroyed the Ammonites without us and not spoken but meant is the thought how can we share the glory if you've done this without us I would like for us this morning to view this text that I've read to you under three simple headings (coughs) From the record. I'll give you number one. I would have us to see in this text. The vicious gall of disgraced degenerates. The vicious gall of disgraced degenerates. Their feverish pursuit of vainglory has driven them to these actions. And I'd like to point them out to you what specifically a pursuit for vainglory will drive men to do. I'll give you a short listing from this text of the things that the pursuit of vainglory in the heart of degenerates will drive men to do. Number one, it'll drive them to lies. Verse one and two again. The men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon and didst not call us to go with thee? And Jephthah said unto them, verse 2, I and my people were in great strife with the children of heaven, and when I called you, I called you. It's a lie. The pursuit of vain glory in the heart of a degenerate person will cause them to lie. They are lying. He called them. (laughs) Is that not what we saw in Cain? Is that not what we saw in Joseph's brothers? They were prepared to lie. They did lie. They lied to their father. Is that not what we saw in the Pharisees in our Lord's own day? They said he's a wine-bibber. He's this, he's that. He, they told the people lies. They lied about him. They made out he was wanting to be the king of an earthly kingdom, of Rome's kingdom, and he had no desire or design for it. Never said it. it was a lie. But the feverish pursuit of vain glory in the heart of a degenerate man will cause him to lie. Ephraim said, You've gone down and destroyed the Ammonites, and we were not consulted. We were left out, but that's a lie. They were not left out. And they were called. It was a lie. I asked you this morning, and I don't need your response to know the answer. Have you ever lied? To make yourself look better than you really were. Secondly, vainglory will drive false brothers to slander. It'll drive them to to lie. Drive them to slander. Look at verse 4. There's an interesting thing here in the Hebrew in verse 4. Jephthah gathered together all the men of Edom and fought. With Ephraim, with Ephraim, and the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because, because they said, "Ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim, fugitives of Ephraim. Among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites, you are nothing but the refuse." That has been cast off. Fugitives. It's the same word by the way. That's translated in verse 5. Those who escaped. (laughs) You are fugitives. And we don't quite capture it in the English. But in the Hebrew says all of our scholars. These are vile and slanderous and incendiary words. This was a base and appalling accusation. You're dogs. You're just a bunch of cast off dogs. You're the refuge of those tribes. Base and appalling and incendiary words. Words that would ignite a flame that burned to death 42,000 men. Words that are inflammatory. One commentator said, these Ephraimites in the Hebrew claimed that these Gileadites were the scum cast out. I'm telling you that a desire for vain glory will drive a degenerate heart to slander and of the vilest sort. Fawcett said, their sneer was aimed at Jephthah, who had been a fugitive of the half-tribe of Manasseh, cast out of his father's house and his followers with him. Those who had called others fugitives in this text proved to be fugitives themselves, I told you, in verse 5. They're the ones who escaped. The same word, those who escaped in verse 5. says, Fawcett, their words proved prophetical of their own doom. A fire that burned themselves. They were paid in their own coin with realities answering to their own contemptuous words. They said, We'll burn your house down on your head. You're nothing but fugitives. You're nothing but scum. You've been cast out. These are inflammatory words. A man seeking vain glory for himself will stop at nothing, including slander. Oh, no wonder it is in the further revelation of our God. We come in the New Testament to these words of warning in James 3 and verse 2. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven about fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little memory. Little memory. Boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter. A little fire kicked. Oh it's so in our text this morning. It's so in our record this morning. Oh what a great fire. Burned down. 42,000 Israelites. From a tongue. Slander. Verse 2, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Slander. Oh yes. Slander. God help us. Thirdly, this morning, under this first point, the gall of thirst in a disgraced, degenerate, seeking vain glory will drive men, thirdly, to base ingratitude. Base ingratitude said the venerable Dr. Gill. Had he not fought against the children of Ammon and conquered them, they would have soon not only overrun and oppressed Gilead, but would have come over Jordan and dispossessed the other tribes and particularly Ephraim, as they had done already. So that it was, in the words of Dr. Gill, it was base ingratitude in these people to come to fight against Jephthah who had fought for them and wrought salvation for them. Base ingratitude. No gratitude. Jephthah's actions had secured peace from a mutual enemy. Oh, how often, how often is good rewarded by evil. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 15. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. Notice the description now. The wonderful things that he did. The children crying in the temple saying Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore, displeased. What was their problem? Well, they thought they were losing their glory to this one. Their love of vain glory caused them to be displeased and you know how they rewarded Him. The gospel record stands. How often good is rewarded with evil. And could I just take a moment to share with you that nearly every commentator makes this point in this text. The treatment that Jephthah received, they have said none, none are so vulnerable to be victims of this crime as are the ministers of God. How wisely did blessed old Roger say in 1615, listen to his words. Let this then set before our eyes, those of us who are ministers of God, the disposition of the most of our ordinary hearers, that so we may learn how to be armed against discouragement. We are yoked with such stiff-necked and opposite natures as wind about their finger the most serious charges we lay on their consciences. And we declare unto them the large and weighty things of the law of God and they account them as a strange thing. That is, after long information they fare as if They had never heard us. And make them as words of course. Or if we spoke in an unknown tongue to them. Hmm. We look that they should receive them as the words from God and yield, subscribe, and hearken. But it is not so. We may say to them, we have piped unto you, but you've not danced. And why do they not conceive our meaning and of the tune of our song? Yes, but they are otherwise resolved. They have another course to run. And therefore they hearing understand not. Seeing will not see, but wink and harden their hearts against us. Must not this Needs grieve us, yes, yes, and so it ought to make us mourn, but, but how? Moderately. As the physician over the patient whose disease was past his skill, ere he meddled with him, and indeed so it ought to be, let us feed them, and if they cast away their meat, And thrive not with it, they discredit not us that diet them with a good and ordinary diet, but discredit themselves. We could wish that they could find them appetites. We could wish, sorry, that we could find them appetites as well as food. But this is past our skill. They died not of a famine, but of a surfeit. The means were used, and therein were we rest and say we are at a sweet favor to the Lord in them that perish. It is manifest by the sign that God will, that God's will was to reject them; that God would not persuade them by us, and then, alas, how should we persuade them? We have saved our own souls. Their blood be upon their own heads. They died not for the want of a doctor. Hmm. Can I say to you in a personal way? Some of you have poisoned with venom base ingratitude. This is a mark, may I say, again, this is a mark of a false brother seeking vainglory. glory. Said Jephthah to these Ephraimites, What reason do you have to hate me? All I've done is serve you and help you. Why have you called? I hate me. Did our Lord not experience the same? And now, fourthly, could I give you this, that this insatiable thirst for vain glory will drive disgraced degenerates to seek self above the good of others. I've already said much on this so I won't say much more. These Ephraimites were not concerned with the fact that what Jephthah had done gave security to all of Israel. All they were concerned about was their own glory. Vain desire for vain glory will drive Will drive the man, the woman, to see and care about nothing but themselves. Fifthly, and this is the inevitable result, a desire for vain glory will drive the degenerate to violence. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Sooner or later, if they don't have their way, they're going to result. The result is going to be violence. They came to Jephthah in verse 1 and said, We will burn thine house upon thee with fire. Violence will always be the inevitable result was seeking vain glory. First, violence toward others. We saw it in verse 1. But eventually, under the judgment of God, that violence will turn on themselves. Oh, their lust for vain glory in their depraved human hearts would stop at nothing to satisfy its thirst. We will burn his house with him in it. Oh, the gall, the gall, the gall of a disgraced degenerate. Their bloodthirst will spare nothing in its path. But in the sure judgment and justice of God, violence will not stop there. It will be theirs. Verse 4, Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim and the men of Gilead smote Ephraim. Smote Ephraim. The last of verse 6, there fell at that time of Ephraim 42,000. Violence, I tell you. Violence in spite of Jephthah's every effort. To appease every effort to help these brothers, war was inevitable. Someone has well said, it is impossible to set in order an unreasonable passion by reason. (laughs) It is impossible to set in order an unreasonable passion by reason. Jephthah had tried to reason with but it would not do. Oh, can I say to you, even in our own souls, hear me now, even in the confines of our own souls, our God will avenge His glory and will not share it. With even us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. Vain glory, he will not allow it to stand, not even in the hearts of his own people. Verse 6, And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Who's he talking to? He's talking to these Corinthian saints. He said, God will pull it down. He'll pull it down. He'll pull it down. Everything that exalts itself, He'll pull it down. Even in the heart of the believer. Here again the words of Galatians 5 and 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. But now, I must hasten. I have covered only my first heading, and so I give you the last two quickly. I'd like you to see from our text, The virtuous gallantry of a disconsolate disciple. (laughs) The virtuous gallantry of a disconsolate disciple. We saw the vicious gall of a disgraced degenerates. But I want you to see the virtuous gallantry of a disconsolate disciple. In the face of his pain, in the face of his personal injury, at their refusal to help him, verse 3, ye delivered me not. In the face of the pain he had at the loss of his only child and her daughter. At the pain of the personal injury received at their hands. Yet he says in verse 3, I put my life in my hands. In the face of it all, he said, I put my life in my hands. Hallelujah. Paul said Matthew Henry of this phrase, I put my life in my hands. He says it means I expose myself to utmost danger as a man that carries a brittle and a precious thing in his hand which may easily fall to the ground and be shattered or be snatched away from him. So delicate. So precious. So valuable. His life. He said I put my life. In my hand. And I went forth. To fight. Our enemy. Oh. In the face. Of your calloused. Refusal. I took my life. That delicate, fragile, precious thing and I put it in my hands to render service for you. Oh, blessed be our God for such servants. Blessed be our God for raising up such servants. Oh, the virtuous gallantry. I'm this this disconsolate. I put my life in my hand for you. Oh, the Book of Hebrews preserves for us a whole catalogue of them in chapter eleven, and verse, and Revelation chapter twelve tells us of many in glory who, and I quote, overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the dead. They put their lives in their hands and went forth and it cost them their very lives. Oh, hallelujah. They're surrounding the throne this morning, according to Revelation 12. Many, 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 he said, who love not their wives, but put it in their hands. Oh, does Jephthah's words not point us up more quickly? More quickly than to those recorded in Hebrews 11. More quickly than those that we see a glimpse of in Revelation 12. Does it not point us up more quickly to than all of them to that servant with a capital S. Who put his life in his hand and handed it over to the vicious degenerates of fallen humanity for their service. Hallelujah. What a gospel picture here. What a gospel word is here. I put my life in my hands. For you. For you. John chapter 10. Verse 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me. Because I lay down my life that I might take it again, I lay it down of myself. I did it myself. Oh, in the face of your refusal to help me, in the face of your hatred of me, in the face of your seeking vain glory against me, I took my life in my hand. The Lord said. He said I laid it down. Of myself. I have the power to lay it down. And the power to take it again. This commandment I have received. Of my father. All oh, the valentry. Gallantry. Of this disconsolate disciple. But Finally. I would give you this final heading in the study of this text. I'd like you to see the victorious grace of divine deliverer. All <laughs> oh, verse six. Then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan, and there fell at that time of Ephraimites forty And two thousand. Verse three. I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord, the Lord delivered them into my hand. Oh, the victorious grace of a divine deliverer. God delivered him. Oh, Would you hear with me just one more time the good words of Mr. Rogers? He says in saying that God delivered the Ammonites into his hands without their help. As it is manifest he did. We see first how graciously God provided for this servant. That whereas he could by no means procure aid from these Ephraimites, the Lord dealt so for him that he needed them not. Hallelujah! He needed them not. (laughs) Because of how the Lord dealt with him. But went through as prosperously as if he had obtained their best assistance. For why? Why? asked Rogers. God will not forsake his that trust in him. He is their help and defense in time of need in so much that if father and mother forsake them, he will take them up. This is a thing which greatly frustrates the ungodly. Although if God see it expediently, he disappoints and frustrates their hope. Thus the enemies of David, Daniel, and our Savior, insulted when they had contrived their purposes so mischievously to manward that they saw no way for them whom they pursued to escape, Nay. Says the Jews, let us see if God will help him in this pitch. But oh, what fools they were. Our God raised him from the dead and by him redeemed a whole world. (laughs) Hallelujah, the glorious deliverance of a gracious God. They wouldn't help him. They wouldn't help him. But God did. God did. Blessed words of the psalmist. Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day. Nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee. From all evil he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out. And thy coming in from this time forth. And even forevermore. Hallelujah. God will help us. When every man denies help. Degenerates, a disciple, and a deliverer. Turn with me if you will, please. Your hymn book again. Stand with me. Turn to number 723 soldiers of Christ. Arise, gird your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through His eternal Son. Soldiers of Christ arise and go Strong in the strength which God supplies through his eternal Son. Strong in the Lord of hosts and in his mighty power. The man who in the Savior trusts is more than conqueror. Stand then in this great might, with all his strength and you, and take to arm you for the fight, the panoply of God. Complete at last, from strength to strength, go on, wrestle and fight and pray, tread all the powers of darkness down and win the well of day. Still. Oh. Uh-huh.